Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 13 of the Fruil Podcast. Welcome back if you're a regular listener and welcome if you're a new listener. Hello, hello, hello. Dad and I here, we're answering some questions from Jingmoers, but also we got our first question from a non-Jingmoer on our Instagram, Fruil Official, and answering his question or her question. But yeah, enjoy the podcast. If you want to see more content from us then you can check out our instagram and our youtube that's for real official on instagram and for real tv on youtube and if you're listening and you hearing these questions that everyone's asking and you and you have a question or wondering for us then you can send them through to our email address for real at jingmo.com.au and that's f u r e e l at g i n g m o.com.au and enjoy the Episode. Do you have anything to say, Dad, before we no, start the episode of podcast? I'm excited to hear, hear hear the question and wondering from the member of the public. Alrighty, enjoy. Furu is about passion. It's about culture. It's not just about sharing a Chinese martial art, but it's about sharing the light at the end of my tunnel. And maybe this could be the light at the end of your tunnel, or you can just enjoy some really cool content. And this is for real. Hello everybody, welcome to the For Real Podcast. Welcome back if you are a regular listener, subscriber to the For Real Podcast. We're up to episode 13. How exciting. Very exciting. I've got uh, Sifu Gwensu, my dad, here. Uh, for those who don't know, I think every now and then we should describe kind of what we do and what we um, what we do in Perth. So okay. for me, I am a Kung Fu and Tai Chi Instructor, I'm a video editor, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an Instagrammer, YouTuber, podcaster, video editor. Have I already said that? I think you have. Um, I do a lot with the Dreamer Academy and um, just loving life. How, well, how about you, Sifu Dad? Me? I Sifu Dad. Sifu Dad. I never called you that before. <laughs> Sifu Dad. Sifu. Very good. The master like of dads. <laughs> no. No such thing. Okay. So, I... Am um, husband of one, thank goodness for that. <coughs> Father of three. Um, founder of Jingmo Academy and Jingmo Kun as the martial art. Uh, this is my profession and has been since I was fifteen. And um, this is all I do: mm. teach kung fu and tai chi. Awesome. That was a good intro. Uh, today we've got questions. We've got our first question from a non-Jingmoa. How's that? That's awesome. Through our Instagram. Thank you very much. At For Real Instagram. Oh, sorry. At For Real Official on Instagram. Um, and in saying that, if you do want to see more For Real content, we're on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, YouTube is For Real TV and Instagram is For Real Official, which I've just said. Um, I want to kick it off with just kind of what's been happening in life. And for me... Something's really exciting is that the festive season is happening again in Perth. We're getting into this hotter season, summer, all things, festivals, performances, all that. So for those who don't know, I lead the Jingmo Academy demonstration team with our Kung Fu, Tai Chi performances, but also traditional Chinese lion dancing and sometimes dragon dancing. Um, and yeah, we've got gigs. We call them gigs. We've got some shows this week. We've got... Th- Three, we've had one already, got one coming up tomorrow morning, and one on Sunday, which is very exciting. So on Monday, we had a performance at the Hyatt Regency in Perth. Two days ago. Two days ago. 
um, and that's very popular. How old? How old do you reckon the Hyatt is? How long has it been around? Oh, I, I mean, Hyatt's one of the major hotel chains in the world. Yes, and also oh, the Perth the, Hyatt show. The Perth, yeah. yeah, Hyatt Regency here. I don't know. I I wasn't born and raised in Perth, but it looks like it's one of the original five star hotels here in Perth. Yeah, yeah. So they had a WA Exports Awards night held there in one of their ballrooms, mm. and we were uh, part of the acts. There was Japanese drummers there, I believe, and we were doing a Tai Chi and Kung Fu performance. I'm mm. not sure who else was there performing, but we were one of the acts, and that was pretty exciting. That was, I'll classify that as our first performance of the festive season. Mm. It was in front of um, a little bit more than 260 people, and it was cool. It was great. Mm. See, for you were there. Dad, you were there. Yes. What was that like for you, our first performance of the festive season? Awesome. I Well, I was very pleased that we were the only ones using the floor uh, at 4, 4 p.m. for the dress rehearsal. Oh, because, yes. Because um, in my previous experiences, dress rehearsals can be lo- lots of people trying to get to one very small space. And the audiovisual guys have 10, 15 people talking at one time, all shoving... Um, mp3s in their face saying got to play this at this point and all that sort of stuff so i was very keen to get there on time and we were there uh, before four o'clock to make sure that we were first in and it was awesome we had like a good solid 40 minutes yeah of dress rehearsal and that really made the difference for me because there's nothing worse than feeling like i'm unprepared or under prepared for Mm. performance true yeah um and the music really gets going i really like the music Mm. Um, so that was, yeah, it was cool. And it gave us all a chance, well, gave me a chance to work out where on the floor I can be and what pace we're going to do the performance at. So it, it nears, gets closest to the end of the track of music and, you know, all that stuff. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, that, that was all very exciting. But the point that stood out for me was... Uh, you were standing at the front of the line, so you wouldn't have seen mm. um, when they were calling out our names, our academy name, and mm. playing our track. Mm. And when the track played and it was showtime, my heart was like racing and I was really nervous and excited at the same time. Mm. And yeah, just like a whole lot of emotions and feeling took over. Mm. And it, it was like a blink of an eye, it was done. Yeah. It was so quick. It was quick. But that's our first performance. So we've got one tomorrow morning yes. at Carousel Shopping Centre. We are opening a branch of Boopa there. Boopa. A shop. Uh, doing a line dance to open. Generally, we do an opening ceremony line dance for that. It goes is from Panda 77 That's the profile name on Instagram. Couldn't find the his or hers real name. Mm. But it says... Maybe that is their real name. Uh, yeah, maybe. Iron Panda. Iron Panda. No, that's cool. All right. Um, so... It says, Hi Jung Su, question for Jingmo. Why do you why do Jingmo separate the two parts that are taught at the academy as Kung Fu and Tai Chi? Tai Chi was created and is still classified as a martial art. To separate the Tai Chi out of Kung Fu is like losing its history. Furthermore, Jingmo discussion and teaching about push hands applications of Tai Chi seems ap- appropriate to put Tai Chi in the Kung Fu umbrella rather than a separate entity. Mm, that's a good question, Iron Panda. Um, so for me to, well, very simply, I know that because I'm human, what's very tempting for me to do 
is to change and modify things to suit me. Mm-hmm. And even if I consciously try not to, unconsciously my body will always want to. And that's just be simply because I'm human. Yep. So for for me, first and foremost, I keep the two arts separate because A, that's how I learnt them, and B, I keep them separate so that I don't, uh, I'm not tempted to make one like the other or the other like one. Yep. So Tai Chi is Tai Chi, Kung Fu is Kung Fu, and the Kung Fu, as a matter of fact, originally I learned Zhao Ga Tong Long, which is Southern Prey Mantis Kung Fu, and in 1986 I had coined the name Jing Mo Kun to honour the art and honour Zhao Ga Tong Long, so my then Si Gung was still, uh, my Si Tai Gung was still alive, sorry. And, um, because we had added elements to our Kung Fu, I didn't want to confuse or to give the wrong message to anybody and everybody that what I was teaching was pure Tong Long, because it wasn't pure Tong Long. It already had changed in the 70s, and it definitely changed, and we marked the change in 1986. I learned Tong Long using Cantonese as the language. Yep. So we teach Tong Long in Cantonese. Uh, and then we now teach Jingmo in Cantonese. Yep. Tai Chi, however, um, I learned originally in Guangzhou from Master Jin, and now f- uh, my teacher is Master Chen Zhonghua. And Master Chen teaches Tai Chi using Mandarin because that's his native language. So to keep it separate for me in my head, all my Tai Chi principles I, I leave as Mandarin language, and that's how we teach them, and all my Kung Fu principles I leave in Cantonese language. Um, so therefore it becomes really clear for me, and then uh, that way I have the best possible chance of honouring those arts. Yep. Leaving them separate. Yep. Rather than, than trying to be... You know, in my mind, it would be being clever. Because, you know, it's very easy for us to... Uh, I speak for you as well, but it's very easy for us to make meaning of things and draw similarities. And it happens in class all the time. Yeah. And it's not coming from bad intention. It's just... That's just what, what we do as humans. We try to create relationships between things we already know and things we're learning. Yeah. And therefore, we attach them to... make them, them to, easier to learn as well. Well, yeah, yeah. It makes it more familiar. Yeah. Because I, I can shortcut my learning process if this is something I already know. Yeah. But in actual fact, they are totally different. They are. Kung Fu and Tai Chi are totally different. Yeah. And fundamentally different from how they produce power. So I believe that um, one art will speak to us more than the other at various times of our lives. Yep. And that's okay. Yep. And I think it's it's important to be exposed to both sides. I keep it separate to so that we don't give the wrong impression to students. Um and they also have the same uh the the same privilege then to learn one art being separate from the other, as we have some people who learn Tai Chi don't learn Kung Fu. For some purpose people who learn Kung Fu don't learn Tai Chi. Very few mind you, isn't it? A vast majority of people on both sides learn the opposite side. Yep. Uh but then that's, I believe, is more inclusive. We're not trying to create a new brand of martial art. 
it's it's just leaving them as they are. Yeah. Um, I've also heard you describing Kung Fu in the language. It's not a particular brand. Mm. Um, do you want to expand on that and how yes, that, might, yeah, yeah, yeah. that might shed some light as well? Oh, yeah, thank you. So, Cantonese being my first language, when I think of Kung Fu, I think of hard work because Kung Fu in language actually means, describes a process of obtaining the highest level of skill in that particular craft at that particular time. Mm. Like if I was a chef, if I was a driver, if I was an airplane pilot, you know, whatever. My Kung Fu is the actual working hard in the process of doing what I do, including all of the Kung Fu that I did beforehand to train and learn to that point to be a professional. It was Bruce Lee in, ni- in the early 1970s that coined the connection of Kung Fu and Chinese martial arts. Mm. Prior to that, no one knew Kung Fu as being a martial art. Kung Fu was always just a word yep. describing grind. Yep. Like today, in today's modern society, we often hear the word grind as a description for just getting in there and getting stuck in and doing your stuff, yep. whatever it happens to be. Yep. Just live life and, and do it. That's right. Yep. So that... that um, also for me separates the external form of Jingmo and the external form of Tai Chi to the language of Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah, and I I sometimes uh, hear myself talking to new people about um, the differences in Kung Fu and Tai Chi that I practice, whether it be a new student coming in or someone I'm talking to at a social event or whatnot. Yeah. And how I've kind of described it is like the yin and yang. Mm. Give that example because everyone knows that. Mm. And there's opposite sides, but there is a little bit of each in in its mm. uh, bubble. Um, so, Kung Fu, we classify as an external martial art. And then Tai Chi, we, we describe as an internal martial art. Mm. So, in that, there are our own um, principles and theories in that in Tai Chi. Mm. And then in that, there are some different principles and theories in Kung Fu. Mm. But just because Tai Chi is classified as an internal martial art doesn't mean it doesn't have some... External stuff. Yeah, external stuff. Mm. So that's how I've kind of described it too. It's not that in the second part of Iron Panda's question, it's not that we're disrespecting any art and trying to hide its history because the part of the question says to separate the Tai Chi out of the Kung Fu is like losing its history. Mm. I don't think that's... I actually think it's the opposite. Yeah. I think by separating it, we're... Making it clear. Yeah, Yeah, making it clear. Acknowledging its history. So, yeah. And, you know, this third part of the question as well, in Jingmo, we talk about the push hands and application of the Tai Chi side. Yeah. And for me, that's still the internal. That's not coming over to the external yet. It's still part of the Tai Chi principles, mm. still part of the Tai Chi theories. Mm. It's just we're performing it on someone to have an effect. Mm. Like in Kung Fu, we have our techniques and principles, and we may do pad work and usages mm. Mm. to perform our certain techniques. Yep. So they both have their own spaces. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's right. So, I hope that question was answered. I think so. I yep. think so. Thank you very much, Iron Panda 77 Yeah, keep keep bringing them in. Keep yep. asking questions. Happy to talk about them. Mm. All right. So, let's seg it. Seg it. Let's seg it. That was 
coined by Sifu Guansu, Seget, for a oh, segue. When did I when did I say that? Oh, a few episodes ago. Okay. So, what do you think about this? Self-discipline begins with the mastery of your thoughts. If you don't control what you think, you can't control what you do. Mm. I yeah, there's truth in that. I actually would go a step before that, and that is if I if I'm not aware of what I'm feeling, mm. then I won't be in a position to be able to choose appropriately. Okay. And then the choice is the thought, and then the action is the doing. Yep. So I say be, do, have. Be, do, have, in that order, is be clear with myself. Mm. So whatever the emotion is that I'm feeling, then do what it is that fits that, and I'll have the reward or results that are appropriate to the two. So it's like an equation, one plus one equals two. Yep. Um, I think if we only look at the cognitive side, the thought side, controlling my thoughts, I think that that gives up one entire third of our humanness. Okay. We are feeling beings. We are emotional beings. We thrive on relationships. We make meaning of stuff. Um, that is just what one of the gifts of being human. Yep. And so therefore, if we only work on the cognitive side and only think about stuff, what we miss, what we miss is the impact it has on us emotionally. Yep. And I'm not saying that it's better or worse. I'm saying we're missing it. Yeah. Right. And there, prob- there probably are instances where um, one, w- one would be able to argue that you can't let the emotions get involved. You just got to do because that's the command or that was the order that was given. Yeah. And I understand that. I appreciate that. Uh, but there's a price to pay. Yep. Right? There is a price to pay if we operate solely on following commands. At some point, our not hearing our emotional side of our being, because we've got mind, body, and spirit, mental, physical, emotional self. Yep. I believe if we don't, if we don't acknowledge that side of us, eventually it's going to catch up. Mm. And, and then we'll be totally at the effect of all the unfelt emotions. Yep. Yep. Well, I've seen that displayed in movies and stuff like that too, as a plot. Oh, yeah? You know, when, for example, you're talking about what, what I got from what you just said, it's like an army scenario oh, yeah. where someone's trained just to kill, Yeah. for example, and then they... I you like know, how you raised your eyebrows when you said that. Kill. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, further in the story, they discover that there's more to life than doing killing and being that aggressiveness mm. person, and they might, you know, find a girl that they like or they go into the real world and they get um, released into the thing, into the real world and then they realise, oh, I've been missing out on the humanness. Mm. And that's like the whole sort of Mm. movie. Well, that's how I've seen it anyway. Mm, 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 mm. You don't connect with that? Yeah. Do you you connect with that? Well, yes. um, uh, Yes and no. I mean, I don't watch a lot of movies now so I can't really think of one that is like... Because I can see you going... Yeah, <laughs> I don't look like that. Yes, surely. Yes, for those of you out there who are listening, it's it was a very funny look he was looking like. <laughs> um, f- yeah, for me, it's it's. Uh, I I agree what you're saying. Um, but f- for me, it is it is just simply that there's three parts that make up the whole of me, my mind, my body, and my spirit, mental, physical, and emotional self. 
And my emotions get triggered first always. And I think that is probably the case for the vast majority of us. And uh, unless we acknowledge the emotional trigger, then the decision that we're going to make is going to be missing something. Mm. And not life isn't entirely about just doing stuff or achieving things. So it's taken me a while to work that out, that it's not all about making more, accruing more, accumulating more. You know, it's not actually just about that. As a matter of fact, none of that gives me much joy. There's some satisfaction in achieving something and if the net result after I achieve my goals is that I might have more in the bank account or whatever. Um, But what I do know is that in the times of my life where I was attached to just doing stuff in order to get something back, it was never as satisfying. Yep. Never. Okay. Mm. Cool. Next question. Okay. From Tarrant, one of our Jingmoas. Ah. Tarrant. So he says, what's the worst injury you've had while training and competing? How did you treat it? And what was it like to be injured and unable to train in that time? Question for you and Sifu in, for the podcast. Well, you go first then. <coughs> what, do you, what do you mean? <coughs> well, you go first. Question for you and, and Sifu. So for you, so you go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't see that logic there, but anyway. Um, for me, I don't think I've had a physical injury, like a broken or pulled muscle or anything like that. I think for me, what I draw to in this question is more of a, I think I spoke th- spoke about this in my previous, in our previous podcast about how before every competition the stress that builds up in me mm. has a release of different symptoms. Mm. So sometimes I'd get sick, like get the flu symptoms, or I'd um, get an ulcer in the mouth, or um, um, I don't know, I've had heaps. Even one time in Melbourne, I wasn't sick the whole time leading up to the competition. I was feeling quite okay. And then after my first event, so I was in three events, after my first event, after I completed that, then I got the symptoms of having the flu. So Mm. I had a runny nose, itchy throat, coughing, wasn't feeling too well. Mm. Um, And what I draw that, what what I bring that to is that when I, like you said just then, when I don't process or don't give my space to process the motion, my mindset, and notice what's happening in my body. Um, when it ov- overwhelms me, then it kind of breaks out in different forms in my body. Mm. So I remember one year I had a also a really big ulcer in my tongue. It was really hard to to like breathe or talk or eat. Yeah, and that was affecting my my uh, training mm. stuff like that. Um, and the worst we've had, and I'm sure you're edging for me to bring this up. What? Was in the 2006 China tour when we had our big group demo happening. I got sick before everyone. Oh, but, you did, yes. But uh, what I was sick with was I, I, was it a viral thing? I don't know. But I know. I was I had diarrhea and I was vomiting, 
sometimes at the same, at the time. same time. Um, before this, my very first competition, actually, 2006. How old were you? Uh, I don't know we said this last time. I think I was like... 2006, you were 95. Like, like 11, yeah. 10, 11. 11. Um, and that was my first World Championships experience. I don't know. And... Yeah, I just got sick with that. And then right after we were finished, mm. like li- within hours, I was fine, hey? Yes. I was, like leading it's like up. miraculously just, it all disappeared. Yeah. So, Tarrant, I've never had a physical injury, but I've had internal struggles. And mm. how I've been able to uh, process those has really been challenging for me because like every time I compete, I expect something's going to happen to me because mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that I can't control but what I can control is my response to it mm. and how I'm processing it for myself so um, I don't know when I'm competing yet it's probably next year at the world championships hopefully mm. and every time or maybe at the end of this year November what's happening in November push hands push hands oh yeah okay maybe mm. this year then as well mm. but every time I'm preparing for competition mm. I definitely think about my mindset how my body's feeling physically and what I'm feeling at this time mm. to help myself and to juggle all the different things. Yeah. Because competition, it's not just me, it's with others as well, mm. controlling, uh, well, not controlling, noticing my mindset of my self-talk around mm. competition, mm. noticing my body where do I need to train more, do I mm. need to train less, do I need mm. to rest, do I do, do more or less? Mm. Lots of things to juggle. Mm. Mm. Um, so for me, no physical injury, but I've definitely had internal struggles that have led to external outbreaks. Yeah. Like a pimple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So how about you, Dad? Um, well, mine mine is still ongoing. Um, what, your injury? Yeah, my injury. Okay. You look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. So when I was 21... I did a couple of half marathons for raising money for charity. Okay. And through the academy, we, we organized a bunch of people. So Cecil Graham in Brisbane, uh, Cecil David, um, Cecil Bill, all those guys and other students joined in and we raised money for different charities by running the Gold Coast Half Marathon. Oh. Yes. How's that? Uh, too long. <laughs> 22 and, and a half, half kilometers. 22. 22 so, and a so half a full, kilometers. So it's a full kilometer. Full marathon is 42. 44. 40, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't run them and I have no interest in them. Leif so. does. Leif listens to podcasts. Oh, really? Leif well, maybe Leif can tell He's us. He's a marathon runner. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm not a runner and uh, I was fine the first year. and That was, mm, oh goodness, I can't even remember when. Late 80s. Okay. Um, Hang on. No, I just said I was 21, so I was 86. There you go. And 86 comes up a lot, by the way. Why? I don't know. It's just like with the photos that we're looking at of your olden, your olden, your old photos of yourself. <laughs> um, They're not that old. Talking, the photos, olden photos. talking about the history of Jingmo, 86 comes up a lot. Well, it's, it's because around that time, I guess, where... We're becoming uh, an adult. Yeah, I guess. We're not a child anymore. We're stepping out in the world, making our own decisions. I don't about talk about things. 86, though. Hey? I don't talk about 86. No. <laughs> but you'll be talking about in, in 2016 and 2019. 
Yes. Like in 20, 30 years' time, that's what you'd be talking about. True. Yeah, True. started my own podcast channel, started my own, I became Back a YouTuber. 2000 and... Yeah. So anyway, um, I didn't train one year for it. and okay. But you ran it? Anyway. I ran it and I injured my leg. I, I did something. Um, my knee swelled up. I don't know what it was. I have a feeling it's actually the, the first part of the injury was I created a bucket handle tear of my meniscus. So that little pad that sits in the knee that separates the femur from the lower leg. There's a little pad in there. So that's torn. Oh. And I don't have an anterior cruciate, cruciate ligament. What is that? That's one of the ligaments that holds the, my bottom leg from moving forward and back. Oh. Yeah, I thought you knew. All right. No, I'm there you go. So, so this this part of my leg, I'm grabbing grabbing my leg, will yeah. move forward and back uh, independently. So that was all right for for a while. I was kind of limping for about six months, and I could still lie and dance. I could still teach. I could still train, but I had to go slowly. Mm. Uh, I had a walking stick for a while. I was a young man. I could keep it up. You know, it was all right. And then um, would be ten, fifteen years later. All right. In yeah. So so the original injury happened on the Gold Coast when we had the Brisbane school. Then we came to Perth in eighty nine. Uh, and then in the mid-90s, I think it was about the time you were born, I was doing multiple pad work, feeding the pads for the seniors. Yep. And I remember this night very, very distinctly. Seeing Mark Glenn was in the middle. Yep. Um, and he was coming straight at me. And I decided that I was running out of space. I decided I was going to step sideways, so like a 90-degree step to my left. So I had to push off on my right foot. Now, I didn't realize at the time that I had this weakness already in my knee. Yeah. And when I did that, I could feel my the bottom half of my leg didn't move and the top half of my leg slid off it. Oh. So I dislocated my knees, oh. but sideways, right? Because I tried to go like a sidestep in rugby, you yeah. know, you push off one side. But my, my bottom half of my leg didn't go anywhere and the top half slid off the top. And, uh, oh, th- that really hurt. And I, I thought... I said to everyone, I said, I think I've got a problem here. <laughs> and I wasn't moving. And I said, can someone get me a chair, please? So they went over to the office and gave me a rolly chair. And I just stayed on the chair for the rest of the class. Doing doing pad work like that? No, 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 no. Sliding no. I just stay. I just, you know, like the old-fashioned kung fu movies, sit at the front like the seafood and tell everyone what to do. Oh, yeah. Do you have so tea next to you as well? Teapot? I didn't, but oh. next time I will. Okay. So I did the most damage then. I didn't know it at the time, um, but my my leg was completely swollen, uh, couldn't straighten it, I couldn't put much pressure on it, was back on a walking stick, and I was getting some treatment, but I, ultimately I had to do the treatment myself, so your grandfather started doing some acupuncture on it for me, and then eventually I took over and I did my own acupuncture. On yourself? On myself. What? Mm, that was a very weird experience. It must, yeah. Putting a needle into your own leg. Yeah. Well, several. So I would acupuncture myself every day, and that happened for a couple of months, and it all just went away. Mm. The swelling subsided after a few months. Uh, the stiffness, the weakness, all decided it, it, it subsided. So anyway, um, short story is I just kept training, mm. and then one day, and I noticed this when I'm really tired, my right knee hurts. Mm. Okay, that's right up until now. Yep. It still does. One day. Can it be genetic? Where was I born yet? Yeah, you were born. 
I was born already. Yeah, no, no, that's not a genetic thing. That's an injury. Because my, my right knee hurts when I'm tired too. <laughs> yeah, well, I, sorry, I can't help that. <laughs> but you can't be born without a cruciate ligament. You just will have one. A, 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 yeah, a weak one. Maybe. <laughs> you didn't give me a full ligament. You just gave me <laughs> half of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me cough. All right, so <clears throat> one day I was doing a private lesson and... My long-term student, also a very good friend, Jeff, who is an orthopedic surgeon, he he said to me one morning, he said, Sifu, Sifu, what have you done? I said, done what? He says, you're limping. I said, oh, yeah, I'm just tired. He says, but why are you limping? I said, oh, I don't know. Mm. Oh, that's just what I do. He says, can you lie down for me? I said, why? He says, I want to test something. Please lie down. So he's an orthopod, and, and he gets me to lie down and then pulls my legs up close to... Um, my back, so I've got, you know, my legs are like a triangle. And he pulls on my left leg and he pulls on my right leg. And he says, what have you done? And I said, nothing. He says, have you got an injury here? And I said, well, yeah, a long time ago when I was in my early 20s, I heard it. 86. <laughs> and uh, he said, um, look at this. And he showed me and it was like, wow, the, my right leg, the bottom of my right leg will move like almost a whole centimeter. Mm. And he says, can I, um, would you let me organize MRIs and check this out and get you to see one of my guys who's a knee specialist. He works with all of the professional footy players from the Dockers and West Coast Eagles. I said, isn't that expensive? He says, look, it's going to be about 300 bucks. He says, but I'll pay for it because I want you to do it. And I just want to see because it's really fascinating because I've never noticed in all of the years I've been training with you that you have a limp. Mm. I said, all right, sure. Well, we can do that. So he organized an MRI and an appointment and see a specialist. And, you know, that's not cheap to go and see uh, an orthopedic surgeon. Mm. So he organized all that, paid for it. And it turns out I, I'm missing. My anterior cruciate ligament is missing. It's gone. So it snapped off. It came to me, half of it. That means you got one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're limping. <laughs> Out of balance, man. <laughs> um, so he said, you've got a complete missing anterior cruciate ligament and you've got a bucket handle tear of your meniscus. And mm. I said, well, what does that all that mean? He says, it actually means that you, should, you, you shouldn't be able to do what you do. And he says, is there anything you can't do? And I said, well, there's only one thing I can't do, which I don't mind not doing. He says, what's that? And I said, long distance running. Yeah, half marathons. I just cannot long distance. Like, no, no, like even anything long distance, right? Like anything, like 5K, 10K, I can't oh, do yeah. it. And uh, I said, but I don't like running, so that doesn't bother me. And he says, um, is there any pad work you can't do? And I said, no. He says, is there any drills you can't do? I said, no. And, and he says, do, is, is there anything? I said, no, there isn't. He says, well, that's really fascinating. And I said, why? He says, because in essence, you're a professional sportsman. You, you, Your profession requires you to be on the floor mm. and doing what you do and training people and practicing yourself. And I said, yeah. And I said, so what do I do about this? And he says, well, nothing. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, does it lock? I said, what do you mean by lock? He says, like, if you does your leg get into one position, you can't move it. And I said, no, never. He says, well, then do nothing. Mm, it's working. 
is working. Yeah. And I said, well, what makes it work? And he says, it's really easy. He says, whatever you do, don't stop doing your Tai Chi. And mm. I said, well, that's okay. I never planned to. I said, but why do you say that? And he says, because what you're doing in your Tai Chi is creating stability for your knee by strengthening the structure ab- above and below the knee. Mm. And he said, if you were to have a complete knee reconstruction, which is what you would need to have if, if, if that's what you wanted, mm then our physios would tell you to do exactly the same. They would give you exercises to stabilize the knee. Mm. But you're doing it already, and you're doing it to a point where it doesn't stop you. Yep. So he says, don't stop doing Tai Chi, and only look at having an operation if and when your knee locks up. Mm. So that's it. And the only time I can feel my knee gives me trouble is when I'm extremely tired. Like if I have three days in a row where I only get four hours sleep at night, then by the fourth day, I can feel the instability in my leg. Mm. Like I can actually feel my bottom leg moving away from my knee. Yep. It just rocks forward and Your back. Your body can't... Can't hold hurt. it. Yeah. And it's tight and it hurts. Yeah. Like, that's the first thing yep. that hurts, my right knee. Mm. So, you know, I get on average six hours sleep a night, and that's just about enough. Mm. Yeah, eight's too much. Eight, I feel I feel sluggish after eight. Six mm. is quite nice. Less than six, it's a bit of a struggle. Mm. All right. So that's that's Isn't my ongoing. I ongoing, mean, to yeah. answer Tarrant, um, it doesn't stop me. Yeah. Except for those two occasions where my knee swelled up, I couldn't practice at the same level or intensity, but I still did. Yeah. I still taught. Still did line dances. I actually have clear recollection. There's probably photos from. 86, <laughs> where we did a light dance at our headquarters in Brisbane, and um, you can see when I'm doing the line dance and I come up for the sidestep that my right leg is bent and my left leg is straight. So you can actually see that I'm compensating for a short mm. leg. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And mm. I remember those times very clearly. Yeah. Well, you know, as I'm, as I'm listening to you, another one came to mind about competing and injuries um and as in Terence's question it says how did you treat it and what was it like to be injured and unable to train in that time in uh, my first second worlds in 2012 prior to us leaving to china i had a thyroidectomy thyroid thyroidectomy me? You had your thyroid removed. I had my thyroid removed. Yeah. I was trying do. to find the nice word for it, but Go ask David or Dick, don't sure. tell us. Um I have my whole thyroid removed, so I don't have a thyroid gland. And Tarrant, you can have a look next time you're in, right on my neck there's a scar where they cut open my neck. And prior to that, going to China, obviously that scar was very fresh. Um my injury was very oh, injury, my incision. Incision was very fresh and one of our demos that I did with Sincori um, had a like a neck move, like a kamna towards my neck. Yeah. And not being able to train 100% for our first World Championship dual event together for that few months was quite challenging, I reckon. Because we, we kind of knew where, where and how we needed to be in our performance. But not being able to do that prior to the big event was quite uh stress stressing because mm. we were we wanted to practice but due to my neck couldn't practice 100% but by the time we got there and we were training and 
competition day, my neck was pretty good, and we we scored a silver medal. Mm. So it was pretty good. That was very cool. But yeah, so I had a big scar on my neck. Yeah. That stopped me from training. Still do. And yeah, and I still ongoing from eighty six. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's say it again then. Seg and then it. we have uh one more question and I think that should take us to time. So this is more of a mindset sort of um another mindset. Sega. Sega. So it says every day might not be good, but there is something good in every day. Every day might not be good, but there's something good in every day. Oh yeah. Yeah, I get that. Bit of a mindset one. Yeah. Mindset. 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 <laughs> That's it really, isn't it? It's just Yeah, there's nothing really more to say about that. No. It's um, a mindset thing. Yeah, it's mi- mindset. 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 Sorry guys, we're just we're blabbering. Alright. You speak for yourself. I'm not blabbering. Mindset. See, I'm not <laughs> blabbering. All right, well, let's do another one then. Okay. All right, another mindset one. If we own the story, then we can write the ending. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I um often often I have this voice in my head that says that if I I should withhold hmm? withhold information. Okay. And it's it's a you know it comes from a scarcity story, and I remember I remember back um, in the mid eighties, around eighty six. <laughs> no, no, that's true. That's no, true. It actually is true. I want to I want to try and remember when I turn a bit older. When you turn a bit older. Yeah, and see if I refer back to two thousand and nineteen. This year is two thousand nineteen. Oh wow! Yes, it's not eighty six. That's for sure. <laughs> 2019. See if I can. Well, when I was at when was I 21? I was 21. Come on, do the maths, man. Uh, you went to Shenton College. 24, three years ago, 2016, 15. I reckon 15 a bit. 2015. When you turned 21. Yeah. 2000. That's 20. 2015 is when you turned 20. 2016 then. 2016. 2016. Because you're born 95. Yes. Alrighty. Maths is not. So you're writing. You pass off maths to me. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Yes. So I remember that time I wanted to produce um, revision manuals. Yep. Like really detailed revision manuals. And I remember your mama, um, my mum, saying to me, you can't do that. And I said, why? She said, because if you write down everything for everybody, people can take that information, claim it to be their own, and steal it. Mm. So all your hard work and experience in all your training and teaching will be lost and someone else can just take it and use mm. it. And I believed her. Mm. So I didn't do it. We just left everything as one list. There was no explanation. Mm. Not like today's revision manual where there's directions to how to do things and stuff like that. And so it was just a list like a checklist of everything in each belt level. Yeah. And um, so I withheld. And now I've I've realized that Actually, the more I give, the more I get. So every time I share something, I actually learn something deeper. Yeah. And there are people out there that still copy what I do, copy what yeah. we do. Yep. But it's not sustainable. They give up because it's not really theirs. Like if you don't come up with it yourself and you're not original about it, then it's not sustainable because you constantly have to 
find more to be able to give more. Yeah. And um, so I I can see what that what the what the that segue is referring to. Um, for me, it's 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 actually that you know when you're the original, you're the original, regardless of what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Whether you come up with a new recipe for a particular dish, whether you write your own song. Yep. Uh, whether you have your own personal take on a particular craft or art, it's yours. Mm. You have ownership over it. Yep. And people out there might critique it and people out there might copy it. Uh, and if they add their own taste to it, their own accent, then they have their own thing. Yeah. But it doesn't make yours any less. Mm. And So I, I strongly encourage people out there who are listening that, that um, you get out there and do your thing. Get out there and share with the rest of the world. I mean, there's such a huge platform that you can leverage from today to get your message out there or your craft or your art or your skill mm. or your talent. You should do it. And uh, allowing that story of scarcity that if someone else gets hold of it, then they can use it before you. Uh, you know, I, I don't buy that. For me, it's like you keep going, keep putting your energy out there, Stand stand beside yourself and behind yourself and commit yourself to what it is that you believe is truly the reason why you've you're come you're sitting in your skin in this place at this time. Get out there and do it. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I see it more as an everyday thing. So if talking about writing and the ending, like a story, like our life is a story, uh-huh. our own story. Mm. And I find that every day, if I can, we talked about the three parts make us whole before. Mm. If every day I can be aware of how I'm, what I'm thinking, be aware of how I'm feeling, be aware of how my body is feeling, mm. then when I, you know, when I'm aware of all three things and I'm present to myself, then with whatever decision or action or whatever I do, I have a clear choice. I have a clearer choice than if I were to ignore parts of me. And that can lead to writing, mm. like, my ending, the, the the thing I want to do or achieve in my life. Mm. You know? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Another question then. Final right. question <laughs> from Piers. Yep. I thought I'd leave this to last because this is a, it's going to be a talking, talking one. Okay. I don't know why I said like that. Talking, uh, talking one. He sounds so Chinese sometimes. All right, all right. Piers, Piers, Piers. He says, on the podcast, you have talked about the value of daily practice and how it doesn't have to be Kung Fu or Tai Chi. So, part one and two of this uh, second... Anyway, next next bit of the question. I'm trying to okay. make it easier to listen to. But he says, what might tell someone that Chinese martial arts is a good fit for them? That's the first part. Yep. So, okay. what might you tell someone? Yep. I guess. And then the second part is why? Mi- why might it not be a good fit for them? Mm. So, what might you tell someone that Chinese martial arts is a good fit? Yep. Well, I don't know if it is a good fit. Only they would know. Mm. No, I was going to say something like that too. Mm. Like on Sunday, we had that Tai Chi event, the yes. free Tai Chi day, yep. the Learn Tai Chi day, yep. free event. Come to the hall, learn some stuff. Yep. See if we're fit for you. Yep. We often say that with new people as well. See if we're fit. See if we're mm. fit for each other. Yep. Um. 
and I was yeah talking to people on the day, and well, some some of the conversation went like, yeah, well, you know, if it fits for you, it fits for you. Sometimes you know they were talking about yoga or Pilates, and they really enjoyed that. I said, well, if that fits for you, then that fits for you. If you, yeah. what do you get out of that? And they were talking to about talking to me about what they get out of there and mm. how they kind of felt the same in Tai Chi today. I'm talking about Sunday. I said, well, if it fits for you, it fits for you, because it's nothing I can say that will convince them, mm. because they have to see that it is something that they want to do, and something that they get something mm. out of, Yeah, that's right. rather than a sales technique. That's right. There's no offer mm. that's going to make a difference. No. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But if it doesn't fit, yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so I I don't see that what it is that I have to offer is a fit for everybody. It definitely isn't. No, and I think that um, well, well, my approach is that uh, I like I I find that a meeting halfway is a a good foundation to work on. Yeah. So my meeting halfway is that I'll provide all of the information. And all of the skills, some of them are online, some of them are face-to-face. But then the student just has to turn up and put in the practice. And that means like practice outside of turning up once or twice a week. Mm. And that's the meeting halfway. So I'll I'll lead by example and I'll practice daily. And I'll report on my daily practice so that um, people can can hear about my reflections from daily practice and what difference it makes in my life. And then the invitations that they take up a daily practice. Yeah. And that's the meeting halfway. Yeah. So there's nothing I can give anybody. All I can do is provide an environment for them to engage with. Mm. Some of it's face to face, some of it isn't. Um but I you know, I I don't see that Chinese martial arts is a good fit for everybody. Yeah. It's just some of us, it's like a language. Yeah. Some of us like and and can pick up French, for example, but some can't and some others prefer Italian or Spanish or German yeah. or Chinese. Not one language is better than the other. It's just what fits for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it is. It? Yeah. I'm just shrugging my shoulders. That's you're shrugging your shoulders. There's not much else to say about that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, second question from Pierce. Yeah. It says, while it isn't a focus for the academy, if someone told you they wish to be trained for combative re- competition, number one, what would you what would you do? And no, would you do it? Would you? Do, oh, sorry, I'm putting words in there. Number one, would you do it? And number two, how would you approach it? If not, why not? Hmm. That's really good question, isn't it? Because very timely. Is it? Be- yes, because we've actually had a person reach out and ask if we did regular sanda, which is the Chinese version of kickboxing. kickboxing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what did did you have a good conversation with that person? Or I mean, good as in a long conversation to talk about on the podcast, or is it a very brief conversation? Well, he hasn't responded yet. Oh. Um, so my question, really, back to him. Was was that um, a what is it about Sandar that is attractive to him? Mm. And B, tell me about yourself. Mm. So for me, all forms of learning uh, are 
fundamentally based on the strength of the relationship between the teacher and the student. Okay. So if the relationship is thin, yeah, then the learning will be thin. If the relationship is thick and solid, then the learning will be thick and solid. Um, so the, what's most important to me is that we get to know each other. Mm. And from that place, we can then better understand each other. Okay. So uh, it's not that I, 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 I wouldn't. It's, it's more really whether it is a fit for both parties. Yeah. Um, granted... Our focus isn't like I created the freeform fighting championships, which was fundamentally based on Kyokushin Karate rules of full contact, which have very few rules. That's why I chose them, because there's there's not a lot you can't do. And uh, then we kind of modified them to be more inclusive of different martial arts. And what I found was (coughs) through my... How many years did we do freeform? Six years? It's found like six years. Um, yeah, like majority of Jollymont and then carry through to one or two in Leaderville, Town Hall, when yeah. we moved over. so it'd be about six years. Yeah. Because our first, our first major one was at the Kung Fu Wushu Australia National Championships in 2009, where yep. we hosted that in at Curtin University's new stadium. Yep. And we were already doing freeform before then. Yeah. And then uh, we moved it to Loftus and Leaderville. Mm. Yeah, so for that six years, um, Pierce, what I discovered was that it wasn't the rules that made the difference. It was actually the the uh, respectful relationships that we created that made the difference and yep. it's the context of the competition so the way I held freeform fighting was that it wasn't actually about who won and who lost mm. but it was actually about celebrating the martial artists who stepped forward for the challenge mm. so it wasn't about who won yep. but it was actually about celebrating the martial artists courage to step forward into this arena because one of the most exciting fights I witnessed was between a judo player and a, and a full contact karate kyokushin player. And they were, the judo guy was on the ground constantly trying to get the kyokushin guy to come and engage with him. The kyokushin guy um, kept dancing around trying to kick him and punch him without getting pulled down to the ground. Mm. So they both hammered each other Absolutely, but they didn't play the other person's rules. Mm. So for me, that was really exciting because it was a test of will as opposed to a test of ego. Yeah. And so in that environment, I really enjoyed supporting our Jingmoers to prepare for that competition because... There are certain things about, like you fought in many of those as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, like one of the things that really stood out for me that was satisfying was the, like the courage I found in myself whilst being kicked and punched, and how I would respond, how I was responding, and and what I just noticed for myself, really, whether I I won or lost. Like now, I don't even remember which ones I won or lost. Yep. But what I do remember is the feeling I had of satisfaction of, I did good. Like yeah. I, I trained for that for many months before. Yeah. 
and I honoured myself and I and I fought and I left it all out there. Yeah. And I felt satisfied within myself. And something that isn't on my mind is did I win or lose that? Mm. Mm. Um because I think in a competition or when those word well when that word is dragged into a title, something that is without a doubt going to be there unconditionally is a winner and a loser. Yep. In inverted commas. Yep. Because that that's just the nature of it, isn't it? Yes. So we can just acknowledge that, but also go in with the co- uh, context or intent of something greater. Yeah. And that was for me to better my skills at yep. that given time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you were going, so you were talking, sorry. Yeah. So, 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 so my point really was that I don't, uh, I wouldn't say no, um, and I'm sure there'll be other Jingmoers if we formed a group and said, right, we're going to bring freeform fighting back on board. Um, I would reach out to my colleagues that run other martial arts schools mm. and academies, yep. and they would prepare students for it too. So it's, I'm sure that we could do that. Um, but for me, it's actually, it's about the, the, the commitment towards that type of training. Yeah. And it's another daily practice. Yeah. So you guys uh, organized your own running, your own swimming events. You climbed Jacob's Ladder on a regular basis. Uh, some of the guys went to the gym to do some strength conditioning. We had kicking workshops from seeing Flipping tires. Flipping, flipping big tires. <laughs> you know, all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. On top of the training that you did on a regular basis. Yeah. And that's just what it took mm. to be prepared. Yep. To honor yourself and be prepared. Yeah. Um, the the gent who's reached out to me, his name is Yi Fei Li, and um, he's asked me the question if we did San San Shou training or Sanda training on a regular basis. Um, so I'm just waiting for him to get back to me. Yeah. Really? If he wants to pursue that, then I'm happy to have a conversation. Mm. So that's it with that question, do you think? That's I think it. so. I yeah. think so. Um, so, would I do it was the question one. Yeah. The answer would be yes. How would I approach it? Uh, just and if not, yeah. why? Well, I I think I approached that. Yeah. How would I approach it? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I think that's about it. Yep. Loving these questions. Yeah. Bring out something different. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't come, couldn't come up with this stuff if I tried No. to answer for. No, that's right. But yeah, all right, very good, very good. So that's uh, bring us to the end of the For Real podcast, episode 13. Wow. Thank you, I am Panda. Thanks, Piers. Thanks, Tarrant, for your questions yes, this episode. You. Uh, keep sending them through, guys, to um, our email address, forreal at jingmo.com.au. That's F-U-R-E-E-L at G-I-N-G-M-O.com.au. If you're listening and you're hearing these questions from others and you have a question or wondering that you'd like us to talk about on the podcast, send them through mm. to the email address. Or if they're, if they're already following you on Instagram, they can just send an Insta message. Oh, that's what I um, Panda did. Yeah. So, which is, which is good. Yep. And they yeah. They can do it on YouTube too, couldn't they? Yeah. You can comment on our video, wherever. Just reach out. Reach yep. out. Happy to answer and talk about your wonderings and questions. Thank you for listening, everyone. Hoo-yah!